Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. Good evening, I'm Hannah Wilkes and this is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. One test match played, one win for the Lions over South Africa. An absolute nail-biter it was too. 22-17 the final score and over the next hour we'll be hearing from the Lions camp from both players and coaches and getting their thoughts on the game. Plus England and Newcastle fullback Mike Brown is going to be with us as well. What did he make of the match yesterday in particular? What did he think of how the Lions back three got on? We'll be chatting him about absolutely everything and we're also hearing the views of the fans what did they think of the Lions opening test victory So we'll get straight into it then, shall we? The first test is done and dusted and it is advantage. Lions, it might not have been pretty, it might not have been perfect, but a win is very much a win. They beat South Africa in the first test. Here's how it all sounded on TalkSports. Welcome along for this one. After a series of would it or wouldn't it moments and should it or shouldn't it discussions, the Castle Lager 2021 Lions series is about to get underway. Three tests to all be played in Cape Town between the world champions and the best of the British and Irish Isles. Cape Town known as the Mother City. Well, it's ready for the mother and father of all battles. Nick Berry blows the whistle and Dan Bigger will get the 2021 Lions series underway. If you had any doubt that we were in a massive test match, that last phase of play shows it. It was incredible from start to finish. Elliot Daly is folded up like a travel map. I think my ribcage is sore already and I'm only watching this. Pollard steps up right-footed, strikes it cleanly, strikes it through. The first points of the test series go to the home side. 13 minutes played, South Africa three, British and Irish Lions nil, Andre Pollard with the penalty. Stuart Hogg in the back line, it's Dan Bigger, finds Robbie Henshaw, Robbie Henshaw's carved it wide open, gets up to the edge of the 22, then the ball is stripped out of his hands. After Clerk will put it out over the sideline and that will do it for the first half of the first test in this three test series. Four penalties from Andre Pollard, one from Dan Bigger is the only scoring in the first half. 12-3, they lead the British and Irish Lions at half-time. 2018 was the last time the South Africans lost a second half. Oh my and that was only 6-3 against England. So they are the best team at holding on to a lead and that will be a big worry. But it's only 12-3 and the Lions, if they can sort things out, They've got a second half to come out, fresh jerseys on, and start the game again. Be within one score going into the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, and the Lions will fancy themselves. So they've just got to be very clear from this first 10, 15 minutes of the second half. The scoreboard doesn't run away from them. Courtney Laws wins the line out. The Lions 3, South Africa 12 here on Talk Sports. Luke Cowan-Dickey has the ball at the back. This is better set up from a Lions point of view. Now the backs are going to get involved as well. They're up, they're a metre short of the line, they're up to the line, are they over it? Try scored! First try of the Test Series goes to the British and Irish Lions and they absolutely needed it. Nobody stops him from that distance, so great news just to start the Lions wanted. Fafta Clerk is back on his own 10 metre line. Back to Villy LaRue, left footed, that's a nothing kick. Uh, that's just sort of been lobbed up into the air. Where's it bouncing? It's bounced off of a lion's hand into the hands of Damien Dialende. He's given it to Lucanio Armas to kick through. It's a full race to the corner. South Africa through. Billy LaRue will score the try. The try is going to be called off. South Africa are up and over the line. Fafta Klerk has put the ball down in the in-goal area. Alan Wynne-Jones cannot believe it's been given, but TMO Marius Jonker has said he could see no reason to not allow it. 
Just a couple of moments ago, Villa LaRue was denied a try. That on 46 minutes. This occasion, the TMO has ruled in South Africa's favour. It's South Africa 17, British and Irish Lions 10. Dan Bigger, ball on the tee, right-footed, steps up. Always oh, made great contact, up and on the way. Flags go up. The Lions lead for the first time in the first test. 63 minutes played here on TalkSport. South Africa 17, British and Irish Lions 19. Farrell waits, draws the line to the post with his eyes, steps forward, right-footed, it's up, it's on the way, it's straight between the posts. Owen Farrell's first kick of the afternoon goes straight between the uprights and makes it South Africa 17, British and Irish Lions 22. Reinhard outside, takes the ball into contact, it's squirmed loose, the Lions have it, they pounced on it, Connor Murray passes it back to Stuart Hogg, Stuart Hogg whacks it into the stands and that is it! The Lions will win the first test of the series against South Africa in Cape Town. They've only led it for a matter of minutes, but it doesn't matter, it's who leads when the final whistle goes and the British and Irish Lions take a 1-0 lead in the series. They trailed 12-3 at half-time, but Luke Kalanicki's try three minutes into the second half, along with three penalties from Dan Bigger and a conversion, and Owen Farrell's penalty three minutes from time mean that the British and Irish Lions are successful in the first test. They go 1-0 up. Full-time at Greenpoint Stadium, Cape Town. South Africa, 17. British and Irish Lions, 22. How great did that sound? I uh, I feel for Andrew McKenna today. I have a feeling his voice might be a little bit sore. We heard from James Haskell as well, Martin Williams, Ben Kay, some of our great lineup taking you through the first test yesterday evening across the TalkSport network. Alfie Reynolds, as always, is with me. Alfie, you, in fact, were with Martin Williams yesterday. We'll talk about where and how you watched the game a little bit later on because I think you got a pretty sweet deal yesterday afternoon, just to tease that up. But... Great game, breathless game, stressful game, had a bit of everything. And to use a sporting cliche that is so apt on this occasion, a game of two entirely different halves. It was almost like the Springboks and the Lions swapped at half time because the Lions had a dreadful start, a messy start, came up firing on all cylinders in the second half while South Africa just faded away. I feel like there's so much to get into with this game today I as well. I to start. I'm quite the- excited and panicked by fitting it all in in the next hour or so. Well, we're going to do our <laughs> best at that. Let's start then with the, the first half compared with the second half because where, where I was watching it, and as you mentioned, we'll, we'll get onto a bit more of that later and the fan reaction and all that sort of stuff, but there are a lot of groans. You just felt like the Lions couldn't get any sort of handle on on the game, mm. really. They, they had very little of that opening period, but they were able to, you know, get a penalty. And then the second half was so different. Let me ask you, what did you have a have a theory or a feeling on why that might be? Because fitness is what comes to mind for me. For the second half? Yeah, why we saw that difference. Completely down to fitness. Mm. I think in the second half, I think that the Lions' first half and their sort of slow start is is quite characteristic of actually of Lions' teams. It is something that, that does happen more often than not when you get these first tests. The second half, though, it was it came down to fitness for me. You could tell that the the Lions have been training hard, that their fitness is there. Don't forget as well, they've been preparing as though they're going to be playing two test matches at altitude, which means you, you prepare with a lot of intensity and do a lot of sort of pressure chamber and air chamber and all that sort of work, which when you're back at sea level is going to put you in a really good stead. Whereas South Africa, on the other hand, we know how disrupted their preparation has been. Five of the starting 15 have been in isolation for COVID over the last few weeks. Yes, these guys are fit. Yes, we know they were able to train individually, but that is going to take its toll because there's a difference. And Ben Kay said this actually on Friday, on the kickoff show on Friday night on TalkSport, that you training and being able to get out and do your training individually is one thing when you're in that sort of isolation situation, but it's nothing compared to a full training session for one and also a test match on the other hand. And I think that's what showed. I thought what was interesting as well within the South African setup, Faf de Klerk played a full Premiership rugby season. He was the only one that did not fade away. His fitness was there. The rest of the guys, they, they were struggling. I think it'll be different next week. But for me, it came down to fitness. And that'll be one of the interesting elements is, is that 
80 minutes now enough for South Africa to be closer to, to the lines in that they don't fade away quite as much. Very, very fascinated to see how that goes next Saturday. Absolutely, because also in a week, how much can you actually do with pure fitness in mind? But as we say, it was a game of two halves. It was extreme, I think, the difference in the lines in particular from one half to the other. So you've got to think, what on earth was Warren Gatland saying at half time, he was asked about what his message was to the players after the game. You know, we're still in the arm wrestle. We just, if uh, Dan Bigard kicked that penalty 12 6, so, you know, we're down 12 3, and kind of just said we're giving away a few soft penalties, allowed them opportunities. Um, let's, let's keep our patience, let's stay in an arm wrestle. Um, we will get chances, and uh, don't try and force things. And um, I thought that second half went on. We got we got stronger and stronger, and you know got ourselves back into the game. And um, yeah, but it was it was a really tough, tight test match. And bound to the ball, it could have got anyway. And 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 thankfully, um, you know we've come from behind and, and finished really strongly. And um, and I thought the last few minutes we were uh, excellent. A couple of things from from what you said there, and we will talk about how they they lines built and improved and did take their chance in the second half discipline though and most importantly lack of it from the Lions in that first half they gifted essentially South Africa those 12 points they had on the board didn't they yeah and you mentioned it previously as well in in that they started slowly and I think the discipline was a part of that we saw some fairly sloppy penalties coming in and it as I mentioned it, it just wasn't going the Lions way but I think not only did the Lions play better in the second half, I think they, they outcoached South Africa as well in terms of the replacements Warren Gatlin make and the difference that made to the game. And, and they were very... I mean, it's a, it is a great victory, not just because they won the first test and we know the significance of that, but to come from behind in that game with how the game was going, to be able to turn the tide like that and turn the momentum into your favour is, is really, really impressive. Yeah, and South Africa don't generally lose in the second half of games if they've got the lead at half time I think as well the difference in that second half it was a confident quicker start you think there was the, the run chase a penalty awarded in South Africa half and, and Alan Wynne-Jones made that bold call as captain we're not going for the posts even though we want to start closing that gap they went for the corner and lo and behold a couple of minutes later Luke Allen Dickey gets the ball down across the trial and it was it was those calls it was that confidence that was obviously still there and it was obviously those adjustments made that we know we've got the skills we know we've got the game plan the set piece and the all were not working in the first half, but then to score from a line out and then that sort of rolling of bodies across the line in the second half is exactly what the lines needed to know they could do. And you, you saw, if you watched the pictures or watched the highlights, how much it meant to every single guy in a red shirt when Luke Cowan Dickey got that ball down. And Luke Cowan Dickey is a great example because coming into the match, he hadn't missed a line out all tour so far, but a few went astray, perhaps didn't have his finest game but, you know, second half, got a try and, and looked a really strong performance. He kind of typified the turnaround, I think. Can you believe we've done our first part of this show reflecting on this test and we haven't yet talked about Mauro Itoji and Courtney Dawes. And we've got to take a break, Alfie. We'll, we will get to our standout performances later, but there were a lot for the Lions and you're absolutely right. We will be speaking about Mauro Itoji and Courtney Laws a little bit later. They were absolutely superb. Um, it's the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby 18 plus B drink aware. No one gets you closer to the Lions this summer. We're bringing you all the build-up, all the expert views, analysis, the passion of the fans and, of course, live commentary of all the test matches on TalkSport as the Lions take on the world champion Springboks and South Africa and so far beat them in their own backyard. Next, uh, we're going to be joined by England and Newcastle fullback Mike Brown. Beautiful hands of Brown. Past one, past another. And into the corner goes Mike Brown. Brown thinks about giving it to Chisholm and then it opens up for Brown. Brilliant from the fullback. And it's going to take some stop in this. And Taylor will hold oh, no, on. Mike Brown. Mike Brown has just prevented the first try of the match. He is one of the all-time Premiership greats. Over 350 appearances for Harlequins, 72 England caps, and he'll be playing in the North East next season with Newcastle Falcons. I'm delighted to welcome Mike Brown, who's a Land Rover ambassador, onto Lions Daily. Mike, a very good evening to you. Like us here in the studio, are you basking in the glory of a Lions victory yesterday evening? Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having me on. Um, hope you're well. Yeah, they, um, the guys did well, didn't they? Um, 
you know, I think like most Lions fans, I was a bit worried at half time, but you know, it really was a, a game of two halves, wasn't it? Um, you know, South Africa really um, started off well, um, really stamped their authority on the game in that first half, but you know, the Lions really turned it around in the second half and, and came away with a win. They certainly did. I have to say, actually, that you know, despite always wanting to feel more confident and comfortable, I'd much rather the team I'm rooting for be 12-3 down at half-time than up, to be honest, because you just think that's not that much in rugby and it's just, it can so easily go so horribly wrong. I'm interested to know where you watched the game yesterday and how is it for a guy like yourself that's been involved in some huge rugby matches? Like, Are you a good spectator of, of these kind of games or do you find it just too stressful and thinking what you'd be doing on the pitch? Yeah, I was watching it at home um, just with my family. But yeah, you know, like every other Lions fan, I was I was um, enjoying the build-up um, all through the week, um, looking at what's being written about the players and, you know, all the build-up that goes with that and, um, you know, all the um, looking at all the different battles that were going to, um, you know, happen on, on the weekend. And then, yeah, just enjoyed the, the game as a fan. And, um, yeah, loved every moment of it. You know, I've, been, I've grown up since the age of five, six years old, watching Lions games with my family and things like that, so it's no different now. That is why we love the Lions, isn't it? Because everyone's got those memories of, of it getting you into maybe rugby or definitely into what the Lions is all about. What's your earliest Lions memory? Can you remember? I think it was um, 97, Jeremy Gus got uh, dropped goal. Um, yeah, that Lions tour really stuck out for me and you know things like Matt Dawson's dummy and, and try in the corner. Obviously, Jeremy Guscott's drop goal to win it. Neil Jenkins kicking. Um, I think he was the old school kick off the sand back in those days as well. You know, it's all those different things, you know, really stick out for me. And that, that was definitely my earliest memory. Yeah, there's all those iconic moments, aren't there, as well, that as soon as someone mentions them, you can just see them in your head so clearly. There's nothing quite like a Lions tour. Um, we'll talk about the, the match as a whole in a minute, like you say, and, and I said myself on the show as well, very much a game of two halves. But I want to talk to you about the back three, as it's an area you know so very well. Let's start, shall we, with Duhan van der Merwe, because there was a lot of talk in the build-up. He was perhaps one of the more debated selection choices by Warren Gatlin, lots of conversation about whether he'd be exposed. What did you make of his performance and how do you think he got on? Yeah, look, I think on the whole, he, he did his job well. I think I think the Lions would like him to have uh, more impacts, especially in attack. He didn't quite manage to do that like he has done on, on the tour, and, um, which, which um, earning that deserved place in that first test. You know, he's such a dangerous, destructive runner with his, with his size and his speed. So I think if I was the Lions, I'd be looking to get him involved a lot more if he's picked for that second test. But in terms of the aerial battle, I think I think the back three did okay. I think the first half, the South Africans were probably winning that, um, winning that area, um, winning the, the aerial battle and the territory battle. Um, but then in the second half, um, they did a lot better. They, they won a lot more ball back in terms of the aerial, um, the aerial challenge. Um, and that, that paid off in the end for them. Um, with that sort of getting involved a bit, a bit more, and there's an argument to make as well about Anthony Watson, your sort of your former England teammate who had a pretty quiet game by his standards. For a, a winger, how how can you get more involved in the game and, and really make your own mark on it if you're not quite getting the service and, and the ball? Yeah, to be honest, I think it was the wingers on both teams. I mean, Colby as well, you know, how uh, how um, amazing is he when he's on the ball? And he, I don't think he had any carries really so I think it was both sides just couldn't get their wingers in the game so I think it's you know they need to just try and as much as they can move off their wing um, try running off nine you know inside balls off ten um, just try and get involved as much as they can little cheeky pick and goes from the base of a ruck um, just try and have as much impact as possible but it's easier said than done you know those sort of games you know it can be so hard to, to get involved and you don't want to you don't want to force it too much because, you know, then as a back three player, you start chasing the game and you, and you miss where you're supposed to be. Um, you know, you miss where you're supposed to be in attack uh, normally. So you don't want to start chasing the game and missing other opportunities by uh, by doing that. So it is hard. You have to get that balance. But yeah, just trying to get in as much as you can and, and try and have as much impact as you can off nine and ten. 
Yeah, what did you think of Stuart Hogg's performance? Because as well, he was one of those sort of raised eyebrows selection when the, when the team was leaked and then announced earlier this week, particularly you know, with Liam Williams, both of them top quality options, but Liam Williams has had such an impact for the Lions previously. How did you think Hoggy fared at the back? Yeah, both world-class players, aren't they? Um, embarrassment of riches there, but, you know, Hogg got the, got the nod. And yeah, on the whole, again, I think he did well. I, th- I think in terms of, you know, his super strengths in his counter-attack and his attacking play and getting his speed and stepping involved, he didn't get as much opportun- opportunity as he'd like to. You know, the the South African kick chase was really good. That's one of their strengths, isn't it? To, to kick well and then put teams under pressure um, with their kick chase. But, you know, he dealt with it um, the best he could on most occasions. There was one um, scary moment where he, he threw a ball in, looking to move it, and it kind of went to the floor, didn't it, um, mm. off the next pass. And it uh, yeah, could have very easily have, have uh, come off of the try for the South Africans, but luckily it didn't. But apart from that, yeah, he did his job. He did his job the best he could, I think. You need a little bit of luck to win a test match, don't you? And, and actually, Ben Kay was part of the TalkSport team covering the game yesterday. And, and looking at the, the game as a whole, rather than just focusing on the back three, he said, listen to this, that the Lions did get a little bit lucky. The Lions rode their luck, didn't they? There were a couple of key decisions that went their way and a couple of spills when they were under real pressure. Uh, but if you, statistically, if you look at the comparison between first half and second half, South Africa just stopped playing. And whether that's a fatigue thing, because they haven't had the right sort of preparation, but the the challenge that the Lions faced, they couldn't get any momentum in the game. And fair play, they came out in the second half and they started playing with tempo. And South Africa rocked back onto their heels. They couldn't get that dominant defence. And once the Lions got in front, they did a fantastic job of, of staying there. We've talked already today that you know about how you get a bit of you get a bit of luck. We'll touch on the TMO decisions, but do you find, Mike, and you've been involved in so many games of rugby over the course of your career, some of them, you know, a lot on the line. Is it a case of that those sort of quote unquote lucky decisions, if we take the TMO out of it at least for, for the purpose of this discussion, they do tend to favour the team that are playing better, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you do find that, you know, the team with the momentum are going to get a bit more of the luck, a bit more of the ref's decisions. You know, if you're going forward, you're winning a physical battle, the territory battle, it's naturally, um, you know, the bounce of ball seems to then you go your way or, or the ref's decisions seem to go your way. I think the main decision yesterday for me was the Willie LaRue try. I think that could have very, very easily gone the other way. Um, and I'm sure South Africa feel desperately unlucky it didn't. You know the on on field decision from the referee was was a try. So then, off the back of that, there has to be a um, a clear um, and obvious reason why you can't give the try. And for me, that wasn't a clear and obvious um, in front of the kicker from Willie Larue. So I think you know if they do feel aggrieved, it's probably on on, on that decision. Um, but you know that that wasn't the reason why they lost the game. Um, for me, that second half, South Africans. Like Ben Case said, they kind of not stopped playing, but they kind of stopped doing what they were good at or weren't able to do what they were good at because because the Lions kind of worked them out. And then I think fatigue for them just set in that intensity um, that was there in the first half just wasn't there. It dropped off. And I guess that could be down to the, the COVID situation. It could be down to, you know, isolation, not having the preparation that they would have wanted, the lack of game time, I think, as well. So that's that's all things you need to take into consideration, really. Yeah, absolutely. And things they'll be looking to address as much as they can next week. So, so you're sort of on the, the Villy LaRue side of things that that was not maybe clear and obvious enough for the TMO to, to overturn it. What did you make of the couple of other big sort of TMO decisions? The um, uh, We had the second try for, for South Africa that was disallowed. That one was a more obvious knock-on, wasn't it? Um, Cheson Colby knocking on the ball and, and Diolandi's try then being disallowed. That one you struggle to disagree with, right? Yeah, I think I think that and the other decisions were were spot on, to be honest. But yeah, Colby, hundred percent, he um, he knocked that forward, didn't he? He pulled the ball down, and it clearly went forward. That was clear and obvious for everyone to see. Um, so yeah, I think I think the ref, the rest of the decisions that that come to mind, the main ones, um, were all spot on, to be honest. I mean, but yeah, I think maybe I think maybe yeah, into the there was all that talk in the week of 
with being um, a South African and things like that. So maybe maybe he got into the head uh, of the, the TNO at the crucial point. I think that could have been some very well-played Warren Gatlin <laughs> mind games, that is for sure. Um, Hamish Watson, I'm lo- I'm loath as a British rugby fan and Irish rugby fan, supporter of the Lions, to, to draw too much attention to it. But was Hamish Watson lucky to stay on the pitch after that tackle? Yeah, actually, yeah, you're probably right. That's another big decision, wasn't it? And yeah, I think so. Looking at, you know, how uh, hot on those sort of things they've been in the Premiership this season, I think he's very, very, very lucky to to have stayed on the field. Um, so that's another one that South Africa would you know, feel very harshly done by because, um, you know, you're in trouble as soon as you lift someone's leg like that and, and they land on anywhere near their head or their shoulder, you're going to be... You're going to be um, really risking a, a, a red or yellow card, um, just like shoulders to the head now. You have to be so careful. So, yeah, I, I'm sure he was sweating at that point, whether he'd be staying on the pitch, but you know, he got away with it. And that's the kind of luck sometimes when momentum's going your way and, and things are going your way, um, you come on the right side of it. Yeah, have to make the most of these things when they do go your way because so often they don't. So a, a win's a win. We know the importance of getting the first test won in a Lions series. It's so hard to come back from a first uh, test loss. Warren Gatland, is he going to make changes this week? Would you make changes? Because we saw the impact as well that the bench had. It was phenomenal, especially the the, the, the front row when when those changes were rung. Mako Vinopola had a storming performance, just to name but one. But... Warren Gatlin's alluded to it as well, hasn't he? said there are other combinations available. Does he stick or does he twist? Yeah, I think looking at that first half, there is definitely things that, that they probably um, need to look at changing. I think, like you said, I thought the bench were were outstanding, especially the, the front row, um, the way they came up on and shored up the uh, the, the scrum because that was a that, that was a struggle in that first half. Um, and then um, Murray and, and Farrell, the way they came on and, and saw out the game with their brilliant game management. Um, I thought they did an outstanding job and that's, that's exactly the reason why they were on the bench. But yeah, just looking at the front row, I'd change that, the, all three of them, to be honest. I think Cowan Dickey probably didn't have his uh, finest game with his with his throwing um, and, and you need the line out against you know teams like South Africa. And then the scrum, there was clearly a, an issue there. There was a lot of penalties against um, you know, that South African front row did an unbelievable job. I'm surprised they went off so early, to be honest, because they were they were they were doing a brilliant job. Um so I'd look at changing the front row and, and I'd have Sink and Mako in there. Yeah. Um probably Ken Owens at hooker. Um and then I am not sure Daly uh, Elliot Daly had his finest game at 13. Um in my opinion. So I'd probably look at a different combination in centres there, whether you bring Aki in at 12 and Henshaw move him to 13. Um or 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 Change someone up um, at 13 there. Um, yeah, the Scottish lad, his name eludes me at the minute. Um, but yeah, I, I, I Harris, sorry. Chris Harris, yeah, I'd yeah. put him in there. Yeah, he's a great option to have in there. You know, I see him as kind of a glue player. He seems to make everyone around him um, play really well because he just sticks to his basics, does his job at such a high standard. So he's a good, another great option um, at 13. And, and also his defence is unbelievable. So yeah, I think, think those two areas are probably the ones I'd look at. Um, mainly at changes. Well, Warren Gatland, if you're listening, Mike Brown has uh, advised on the changes <laughs> for the second test. Uh, look, Mike, obviously Newcastle Falcons for you uh, next season. A bit of a change after so long at Quinns. How is the move up north? How are you all settling in? Yes, it's uh, very different to what I'm used to down south. Um, I've been here about a week now and I've, I've just about managed to work out where the local Waitrose is and that's nice. about it. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, just trying to explore the area and things like that. And then, you know, we had a team barbecue today, so it was great to kind of meet most of the lads um, that I'll be, um, you know, spending a lot of time with. And um, I'm into pre-season tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting stuck in and experience a new environment, experience um, a new place to live um, with my family and things like that. And, yeah, just ready to rip in and get stuck into pre-season. Yeah, well, we wish you the very best. Hope pre-season doesn't beast you too hard to start with, especially on day one. Hope they ease you in. But, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the Lions Day. An absolute pleasure to speak to Mike Brown. He's a Land Rover ambassador. You can join uh, Land Rover's Lions Adventure this summer at www.lionsadventure.com and follow them on social media at Land Rover Rugby. It is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. TalkSport has commentary of every single 
test match between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. Two more still to come, plus daily Lions programmes every evening on TalkSport 2 and a big old warm-up show on a Friday night on TalkSport. Next up, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into some of those controversial TMO decisions in the match yesterday. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, the Lions weren't overly happy that Marius Jonka got picked to do TMO duties. It's supposed to be Brendan Pickerel of New Zealand. It's a full race in the corner. South African through. Billy LaRue will score the try. The Lions will be distraught with that. The try is going to be called off. Oh, I think the Lions have got away with one there. I think Ben Casey's exactly right. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It is a leg lift that's been given. That is not good. That is above, above vertical. Hamish Watson's got to know better than that. That was a big moment in the game. I'm not sure if it was a red card. By the letter of the law, potentially it could have been. I think they probably would have settled for a yellow, but the Lions definitely got away with one again there. The detective work of the TMO and Pink Panther vibes on a Sunday evening on TalkSport 2. Who'd have thunk it? It was a talking point before the match. It's an even bigger talking point after the match. Uh, the TMO, the TMO, the TMO. Usually it stays out of the headlines really in, in rugby or at least it's not quite such of a headline stealing it aspect of the game. Just to recap though in case you somehow missed it South African TMO Marius Jonker stepped into the role of fourth official after New Zealander Brendan Pickerel was unable to travel due to COVID restrictions. An element I have to say you struggle to understand how it wasn't a potential hiccup or stumbling block in the world we currently live in. Anyway, the Lions were very unhappy that there was no plan B but did it and the subsequent sort of toys out the pram nature of it lead to decisions going in their favour. We heard some of the controversial calls there. We heard the thoughts of James Haskell and Ben Kay there as well. And Alfie, we had this discussion on Friday evening, I think, when we did the, the kickoff show on uh, yep. TalkSport. And Ben Kay actually kind of said, no matter what Marius Jonka does now in the game, he's either going to be biased because he's South African or he's going to go the other way and be overcompensating to not be biased against the Lions. And you get the sense that might have been, on a couple of these occasions, kind of what happened. I think especially when you look at the first disallowed try, and we've heard as well the Willie LaRue try, we've just heard from Mike Brown as well, saying, you know, it wasn't clear and obvious. You look at the footage, you look at the replays, there was a slightly forward pass that definitely wasn't clear and obvious until you saw it from the right camera angle. So for the referee on field beyond what he could definitely call. And even the, the um, Willie Roo being offside for the kick as well. Again, not necessarily clear and obvious until you look at the right angle, which isn't what TMO is supposed to do. Yeah, well, Marius Jonker, I think, was hoping for no tight decisions and it was not that the game. That was never going to happen. It did not deliver for him. So, yeah, first of all, the Villy LaRue try, as Mike Brown just said, I think South Africa understandably will feel frustrated by that. I didn't think there was the evidence to overturn it and especially, as is always important in rugby, what did the referee ask? The referee said on-field decision is try, so therefore you need that evidence, as you say, for it to be overturned. And I just don't think there was that. My only counterpoint to that is that when... I saw the replays of it. 
I thought the forward pass was sort of more obvious than him being offside for the kick, if I'm being perfectly honest. like I, Which it, they didn't really look at. Which they didn't really look at. And I think actually that there was it was less of a fine margin of a call if you look at that forward pass. Because as, if that's sort of what's being given as the reason, I think, well, actually, with the footage you've got, yeah, it is a bit more. Cl- it's a bit more clear and obvious. Yes, the referee might not be able to see it from the field, and I know I'm contradicting what I just said two minutes ago, but such is my right. But I think that was more obvious than him being offside for the kick, personally. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. I I admit I didn't see it at first, but then I was messaging one of my friends and, and saying, "Can't believe we've got away with that when the try hasn't been awarded." And they said it's definitely a forward pass, and maybe that that was something. Mm. The other one is the Hamish Watson uh, to kind of tip tackle as well, yeah. potentially yellow card there. It's not a red card, is it? But I think yellow card would have been fair. You think he wasn't. Too- too high off the the ground in a way, which I think makes it look less red card and and more yellow. And you think if that had happened in in the Premiership, particularly a Premiership final, even the Six Nations, I think he'd be definitely heading to the mm. bin. Like he's definitely got away with one there. And that is a fair point. Watching some of the Australia France international matches over the last few weeks, and there was a red card for Corabetti, the Australian win, winger in one of those games. And the Australian commentators were saying, "Oh, that's essentially saying it's ridiculous." When actually, I was thinking, "Well, if you watch any of the Premiership, that's mm. a red card all day long." So maybe there's an element of that in there. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. That difference between sort of North and South Hemisphere as well really does come into it. And why we need, you know, the the neutral referee, the Australian referee. So for him, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't so bad at all. Um, right? Should we hear from inside the Lions camp? I think we should. Assistant coach Gregor Townsend uh, spoke with Talksports Neil Manthorpe after the match yesterday. Gregor, um, a winner is a lion. 24 years ago, and a winner again. 24 years later. Any similarity? <laughs> to the... Well, it's the same city. Um, but very different in terms of uh, the role you have in the coaching box to one year as a player. And obviously with no, no supporters here, it's different. But uh, it still see, feels the same for, for the players. They've they've came here, played, uh, played the world champions and uh, gone behind on the scoreboard, but found a way to, to win, found a way to, to get back into the game and showed a real togetherness to drive through to get that victory. You had a look at the Villy LaRue try. What did you think of the referee's decision? Well, I think it was a TMO's decision, wasn't it? So um, for, for us, it looked like there was a, a fumble from Peter Steph to Toy um, beforehand. Uh, maybe we could have looked at a couple more angles before he, he made that, that call. But uh, I think we, we have to do better there. We, it was, I think it was our, our attacking position that we, um, we let them uh, get away from their 22 with a kick chase. So we know we have to tighten up in that area. But yeah, we, we didn't think it was a try in the coaching box. Finally, it's been a interesting tour for you personally not one that you're going to forget for a long time with your isolation and the time spent in the room <laughs> can you just relax and enjoy this this first win now for a week absolutely i'm looking forward to a beer or two tonight um we're about 90 minutes away from here a nice hotel um all the players will be in the management will be together tonight we know we've got two tests to go and the spring box will come out much harder um which you don't think it's possible, but it will be possible, and we've got to ready ourselves for that. But we've got to be better too. We we want we want our best tonight. We found a way to win uh, and take control of the game, but we know that there's an 80 minutes performance that will come out, um, and let's hope it comes out next week. I have to say, it's good to hear from Gregor Townsend that, that the intention was very much to to have a beer yesterday evening. Because when you're listening to the post-match interviews, a lot of the players, they were so very level-headed about it. And that's a reflection of the fact that it wasn't a good performance for 80 minutes. They got the job done. They got the win. That is what counts. But it was very sort of reflective and almost subdued. And you think, you know, no matter how you did it, you did just beat the world champions in the opening test match of a Lions series. And you've got to enjoy that. I think they're keeping their cards close they to their are, chest. I think, I think they would have enjoyed themselves last night back at the hotel. Let's hope so. Let's hope there were maybe a few foggy heads this morning before they went and gave it a little bit of a, a shake-off around the, the training pitch. That's yeah, for absolutely. Sure. What did you make of, of, of Townsend's opinions there as, as well, Alfie, on those TMO decisions? Very measured, very rational, and that actually that they, you know, they, if they go their way, as far as the coaching team's concerned, that's, that's the end of the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was an interesting point speaking about the Detroit um, uh, knock-on in the try that that was given because I saw that and thought oh, I thought that possibly went forward. Maybe they again, again, probably going back. I think the the referee awarded the try, so maybe there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. Uh, but they were kind of saying we felt it was a knock-on there. That one didn't. You know, these things balance themselves out. Sure. Um, which I think. I think with these decisions, personally, I don't know whether I'm just saying this as a British and Irish Lions fan, they didn't decide the game. I can understand the frustration from a South Africa perspective, 
But ultimately, it was South Africa massively dropping off in the second half is the reason they lost the match. I could not agree with you more. And I think, you know, say Hamish um, Watson had been yellow carded for that tackle, was that going to change the outcome? Probably not. I don't I don't think, because apart from, you know, a potential penalty or the rest of it, South Africa weren't playing well. They weren't going to create anything if it wasn't given to them really on a plate. Yeah, and their, their energy had been dropping so much, hadn't it, that... Strangely, even with a man in the sim bin, I would have I would have backed the Lions to be able to deal with it quite well yeah. at that point in the game. It, it might it might have stopped some of their momentum for ten minutes, but I don't necessarily think it would have opened the flood lake floodgates for South Africa to get back in the match. You're listening to the Lions Daily on Talksport Two with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, eighteen plus B drink aware. Up next, we're going to hear um, from some of the Lions fans to hear what they had to say about the result. We'll also hear from Tommy Bow and talk about Mara Toji and Courtney Laws. Alfie, we still haven't done it in forty-five minutes, and we'll also hear some amusing moments from Talksport's commentary. <laughs> Dennett and Exeter, it is kicking off on the final whistle there. The Dennett, Garrett Steenson, the former Exeter chief at Halfs Pub. This is how they celebrated that win. Put a couple of drop pints. <laughs> I think we're really pleased. It was a really tough game. I thought South Africa were going to do it, but I think the substitutes really made a difference for the Lions. No, I think the referee made the right decision. Uh, Hamish Watson, you know, is a player who's not conceded too many penalties in this series so far. Sean Holly, before we hand back. Hey, Alan how many points deep are you, by the way? <laughs> I just, just, just the one to join in. Someone uh, skip breakfast. <laughs> Alan, second off. Everything went haywire. The Lions just took over, and let's hope the box picks up. Can I just say that having had such a bad time over the last few months, the brewery trade today have had their best <laughs> best Saturday on record. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Shawzy, have you fed Alfie yet? Give him an <laughs> Any scraps? Absolutely, yes, Craig. Yes. To answer that give, question. Give him something off the yeah, he's been well fed. He, <laughs> yeah, he needed yeah. it, to be fair. Jesus, wasting away the Did ball. Did you give him chicken nuggets? Chicken nuggets, Alfie. Fancy chicken nuggets? I didn't have chicken nuggets, Anna. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't because uh, what a fantastic fantastic evening it was on TalkSport yesterday. Although I have to say, really struggled to understand what some of those fans were saying. Quite jealous as to how jolly some people were as they enjoyed that match. And that was just a snippet of the reaction we had. We had reporters all over the shop yesterday evening. Fantastic to hear everyone enjoying themselves and like James Haskell said, giving the pub trade a good boost. Producer Alfie... I think maybe got the plum deal of the whole situation. He was at the very fancy M restaurant in Victoria, Simon Shaw's restaurant, no less. So no chicken nuggets, Alfie. What was on the menu? No, so I, I got given a steak and chips and salad. It was very, very nice, Hannah. Nice. But I was well, behi- well behaved. I'm a consummate professional, so I didn't have anything to drink. Not even a little tipple? No, I didn't. I was I was professional as ever. But it was, it was do you know what? It was a great... It was a great evening yesterday for the game on TalkSport, I felt. It, you know, that little snippet of reaction, yes, it's a little bit silly, but you kind of got a sense of people enjoying themselves, which is really nice after the last kind of year or 18 months that that we've had. And, I, you know, we, as you say, we had reporters kind of in Scotland, in Exeter. I was in central London. It was it was good to hear, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you get the sense from, from all the coverage and the commentary yesterday as well. Everyone from front to back was enjoying themselves. And, and that is the purpose of sport. And that is what a Lions tour is for. That's why people love it so much. And it's why we get so excited every four years. We are absolutely thrilled to be bringing you every moment of it on the talk sport network alfie yeah well i was just gonna say hannah sorry oh yeah. sorry i was gonna to move us on but you carry on no well i was just gonna say <laughs> as well i feel like this match as well so that the reaction from the fans and everything was great yesterday i think it'll build now for the second oh, test yeah do you know what i mean partly because the lions have won the first but i just think earlier in the tour the opponents hadn't been that great so there's been mm. no fans there as well i think now we've had a first test match i'm really looking forward to the next week heading into the second test i think i think it's gonna be great I agree. I agree. Um, so, Alfie, we've been chatting about the first test now for about 50 minutes or so, the best part of an hour. Yeah. And I sit here as a uh, Northampton girl, born and bred, and I feel like I'm going to be disowned by my hometown if I don't steer this conversation firmly in the direction of Courtney Laws and, in the same breath, Maro Itoji. Because those two guys, colossus human beings, fantastic rugby players, and absolutely superb for the Lions, particularly in that second half yesterday, weren't they? Oh, it's a very fair observation. We, we have to get onto them and and the other Lions players that played well as well. But sure, let, sure. let's start with the Toe Jane Laws, shall we? I know Laws kind of came off, but 
was immense, wasn't he? He he was so good. It completely justified the Warren Gatlin play. I know Courtney Laws has played kind of on the flank before, but essentially playing a second row in the number six jersey. It's as good a performance as as I've seen him have. I know as a Northampton fan that, that you've probably seen a, a bit more of him than I have, but I, th- I thought he was excellent. I've seen a lot of him. Mm. I can remember him making his debut for the Saints as a very tall, kind of skinny 17-year-old or whatever he was. And I have to say that I think it was one of his best performances hand down in, in any colour jersey. I think defensively, we know he's solid and he just cuts people in half all over the field. He was solid in the line out as well. But his carries, he made 33 metres yesterday, 10 carries with the ball, and that adds so much to, to his game and contributes so much to the Lions as well. And it's such a good point. When we spoke to, it was Chris Parr, his former coach um, mm. back in Northampton, when we spoke to him as part of our player profile feature, he mentioned that that had been one of the criticisms or constructive bits of feedback that Courtney Laws got from Eddie Jones uh, when Eddie Jones took over as England was to improve his carrying. I think that's an area of his game that has really improved over the last kind of four years or so. Because, he's, as you say, he's always been known as someone who absolutely smashes people, but he's added other elements now. And I, as I say, I thought yesterday he was superb. Itoji then. Mm. He also absolutely phenomenal throughout the game, really, actually. It wasn't even just, you know, that he, he stepped up. And I think for me that the thing that stood out again about his performance is that, you know, you think of tries and and big penalty kicks being the moments that turn games. But his work at getting turnover ball was game-changing. He's one of those players, isn't he, that you just know he would be awful to play against. Oh, God, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He He's such a nuisance, but he is so good. And I do think that once the dust settles, maybe on the series, perhaps depends to a degree of, of if the Lions go on and win the Test Series overall. But... It could be one of those performances that's remembered in a Lions jersey. You know, he he is that sort of guy. He is, you know, we speak about Alan Wynne Jones as a talismanic figure, but I think Maratoji and his performances is laying down similar kind of markers. I think as well, Maratoji rarely has a, a, a bad game, particularly totally. in a, in an England shirt, for example. He was matched up against Evan Etzebeth, who it has to be said silenced him in the World Cup final 20 months ago. Marutoji could just could not find a way through, couldn't really sort of match up against him as we're used to seeing him do. And I think in that battle, which is such a key battle with those two dynamos of the game, he, he won that battle. Hopefully he'll win the war across three tests. Yeah, and also early on in the first half, Etzebeth actually held up a Toje, turned it into a maul and turned over. I was listening to, to commentary and James Haskell said, oh, that's kind of one in, in the column for Eben Etzebeth. But after that, I told you it was excellent. Yeah, he certainly was. Um, quick word as well. I mean, so many of these Lions players had great games yesterday. We could literally do about 15 minutes on each of them and we'd be here all night. I want to just <laughs> talk briefly about Alan Wynne-Jones mm-hmm. because we all know this story thinking his tour was over after seven minutes with that dislocated shoulder. We knew it was um, mind-boggling that he was back on tour and yes, he played against South Africa A and he looked okay. The fact he played for full 18 minutes will have silenced any doubters as to whether he is match fit because he played the whole game and he was getting stuck in all over the shop. Yeah, well, I was somewhat doubting it in the build-up this week, just saying, look, he played seven minutes against Japan, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the final warm-up game. Is he ready to be thrown back in? It is ridiculous, isn't it? I think I, I just, almost couldn't believe it. I would like to, to have some medical proof that he is, in fact, human. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean have, have we checked? Is he made of flesh and blood the same way the rest of us are? Because it's ridiculous. Yeah, te- ten, appearance, 10 test appearances now for the Lions. The first player in the professional era to do that. I think Good says term. it all. I mean, I think that says it all, though, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. There, are, there are legends that have done it in the past when the game was amateur. But what these players' bodies go through now over a career to have the longevity and be at the top of your game long enough to get 10 test caps for the Lions, frankly, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And we can't wait to hopefully see him again um, next week. Jack Conan as well, I know you were impressed with at number eight, which considering as well, we talked at length last week about the the back row being a combination that we hadn't seen before and it it went pretty well there, bar a couple of Tom Curry mistakes early on. Yeah, Jack Conan I thought was kind of low-key excellent in that he's maybe not going to get the praise of Laws and Atoje and and those guys, but I thought he was really, really good at number eight. I thought his carrying was impressive. He does a lot of kind of basics and off-the-ball stuff that that maybe goes a bit unnoticed, so I would expect him to, to remain in that number eight 
great jersey for the second test. One more for me, if I may. Absolutely. And then we have pretty much done half the team. But Tag Furlong, he's becoming like a cult figure, yeah, isn't yeah. he, as part of this Lions team. I thought he, he rose to the occasion and he very much got the, the better of, of both the South African loose heads, which is a feat that cannot be underestimated. I mean, he's world class, isn't he? he to, ha- really to have is. him and Kyle Sinclair as your options, it, it, they're just they're both brilliant. And and Tyg Furlong, as you say, I think when you look at the team sheet, you've got Maratoje's definitely on it, and Tyg Furlong's in the same breath. Um, shall we get some funnies in? Because we have had some fun over, uh, on Talksport over the last three Absolutely. days. Absolutely. And James Haskell, God love him, has really bought the the humour level. Um, he's been compared in the same breath. He can talk about Hamish Watson's mullet and his skills, and he was up to his usual tricks yesterday. Uh, he was back on co-commentary duty with Andrew McKenna, and he picked up on a little bit of play acting, a little bit of dramatics from Cheslin Colby. That was awful play acting. I would have given that a C at GCC drama from Cheslin Colby. What a great player. Terrible fake actor. So that is James Haskell's uh, acting reviews. I'm sure he can re- expect a sort of slot, maybe like a movie review slot or just any sort of acting performance in a national paper any day now. I think there's no end to his talent, so I'd back there him really to do are. anything. And there's always the odd cliche, the, cl- the curse of the commentator. We've all done it. We've all witnessed it. We've all cringed when we've heard them. Um, James has picked up a way to get around that problem. I might start, when I do this commentary, start saying the complete opposite thing because everything I say that I want to happen never happens. I keep jinxing everybody. Yeah, welcome to the world. <laughs> Maka with a sort of right, you can always hear the wry smile there, like, yep, I spend my life cursing people through my through my choice of, of words. Um, James, do us a favour, though. Do not talk in opposite land when you're doing commentary because it'll get very, very confusing. Finally... As we've been speaking about throughout the show, the TMO was very much a point of contention. You know what the TMO in World Rugby needs? James Haskell looking at the replays. Well, the Lions weren't overly happy that Marius Jonker got picked to do TMO duties. It's supposed to be Brendan Pickerel of New Zealand. But because of COVID travel regulations, he couldn't make the journey. And the Lions were ups- not, not upset that Marius Jonker got the gig. They were upset that World Rugby didn't have a backup place in plan, given the world we're living in yeah. with COVID, that there wasn't another neutral person who was available to do the job. I'd go and do it. I suppose I'm not very neutral. I, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> think a former lion constitutes well, they let, being They let neutral. South Africans have a go at it, so why not? I mean, I'm just not sure I've got the composure. I don't know what I'd do. I'd go, get him off, get him off, send him off. It makes a fair point in terms of he's no, no more or less biased than a, a South African but I'm not sure. I just like the idea of him sending everyone off. That would be amusing. That's true. That's true. Don't care what the footage says. We're just going to send send everyone off. Right. What a show. Alfie Reynolds, brilliant as ever. Thanks for your company. You've been listening to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby 18 plus B drink aware. Don't forget, Lions Daily is daily. Tim Cocker will be back at five o'clock tomorrow. That's Monday with more reaction from this first test victory. And don't forget that TalkSport have commentary of every single test match between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. The second test kicks off at five o'clock next Saturday. Do not miss it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 